0: Welcome to Technado.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of Technado. I'm your host Don Pozet, subbing in for Sophie. Uh, she couldn't be bothered to show up and film with us today, so you know I, I see how it is. Mm. But we, we will cover that somehow. I've got a great cast of characters here in the studio with me that I'll introduce in just a moment. Before I get started. I do want to thank our sponsor, ACI Learning. They are the uh, they're, they're the pocketbook behind yeah. the <laughs> podcast. They're Good what allows to this to them. happen. Uh, they bring to you great brands like IT Pro TV, and they sponsor things like the shirt that I'm wearing right mm-hmm. now, uh, which I appreciate because otherwise, I would I don't know wear don't a t-shirt wearing a white shirt. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, so definitely a big thank you to them. But let's uh, let, let's talk about who all is here in the studio with me over here to my left. I've got the uh, uh, Inimitable Daniel Lowry, Daniel. Wow, your word of day yes. calendar is really paying off. I? <laughs> I, I wasn't sure I'd be able to pronounce <laughs> that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, glad to be here today. We got some uh, some really bad tech news, uh, or not tech news, but security news. So I look forward to getting to that. Uh, always a nightmare scenario when it comes to the security. So it's yeah. never like, hey, we did better. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, we have one
1: article this week that is, like, somebody getting even worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that one. But uh, to my right, uh, again, we are graced by the presence of Mr. Justin Dennison. Justin, thanks for joining us. That's yeah, it's always fun. And uh, I don't know what we're talking
0: about today. I'm here for, like, reactionary value. <laughs> like, that is nuts. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that's uh, just uh, that's yeah, like a cool like sound machine that actually <laughs> yeah. did
2: stuff like that, though,
3: yeah. at one point. Yeah, that was me. App. Yeah, <laughs> that was
4: me. Yeah. She's yeah, doing the voiceover for the sound yeah. machine. Yeah. This is all good. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I said I had some special guests with me today, and you're probably wondering who they are, since I've just introduced Samuel so and Justin, It's <laughs> is not, not all that special. But uh at the end of the table here we got Mr. Ronnie Wong come back with us. It's been a while, Ronnie, hasn't it? It, it has. It's been uh, several weeks or months. I don't even know at this <laughs> point. But yeah, no, uh uh
3: Sophie actually asked me to step in, but uh I'm glad to be
1: here. Yeah, Ronnie doesn't know how long because we actually keep him locked in a uh, glass food. food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a glass he's booth next to Walt Disney. We, we decant him
2: <laughs> yeah. when we need. <laughs> wow, I, I get a, a
0: weird like Futurama head in a jar
3: vibe. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it's pretty close. Yeah, Come on, go, drop the fish food. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm there. All right. Well, we're uh, we're going to start off like normal. Actually, Sophie does a better job at this she than I does. do. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna... You see why Don asked me, do you want to do the?" I'm like, no, I do nope. not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will try and remember everything. Uh, first half of the show, we do our tech news, and there's actually been a lot of stuff out. Let's jump over uh, this first one brought to you by the folks over at Tom's Hardware. Microsoft says the days of free Windows 7 to 10 or 11 updates are over. This is my favorite headline because it it barely makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but what they're telling us is, for years now, you have been able to upgrade just about any version of Windows to Windows 11 for free. So if you had Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows 10, if it was a a shady license that was a sticker on a computer you found in the trash. Like you can <laughs> install that and they would let you upgrade legit to windows 11. It's like an immunity deal. Yeah. Right? It really was. Yeah. 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 And Listen,
2: I, I just cop to the crimes and give us some information. We'll be happy to let you go.
1: Yeah. I, I don't really know what possessed Microsoft to do that. I think it was to drive up their user numbers yeah. for their Microsoft 365. You know, they, they wanted to get those uh, online accounts created, which windows 11 forces you to do. But, uh, they're telling us that the free ride is over. Now, they actually said the free ride was over back on July 29th, hmm. and now here we are in October. It's been months. They had a grace period, and they're saying that grace period is over. Uh, Windows 10 keys will still activate in Windows 11, but the upgrades from Windows 7, Windows 8, that is done. Question. This is my first question that pops in my head about this. If I haven't upgraded
2: yet, was I waiting for something like what was like what makes them think that this is like a, a detriment to me because oh now it's over no you waited too long no here's <laughs> what
0: it is the people who haven't upgraded yet they also didn't read this article or hear <laughs> of this. Uh, yeah. it, it was you know <laughs> it's some like old computer at a little grandma or grandpa yeah seven's good enough for me yeah. I play solitaire this is all good and then yeah. like, plus
2: they removed the pinball game after 7, wasn't it? You know what? And even know it was Windows still in seven, 7. Then so. why would you update? Yeah. Right. That's a good question. <laughs>
3: that game is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you still have those people that say, hey, Windows 7 is the best operating system I ever had, and they're never going to up- upgrade. And, of course, at some point, the requirements for you having a computer, Windows 7 is just not going to be able to run on them. I mean, that's...
2: You think Microsoft will ever release uh, Windows Seven code for like open source and let people just kind of like run with it and become an open source project?
1: You know, historically, Microsoft has never released any of the source code for Windows intentionally. (laughs) It's happened accidentally. It has happened. Uh, Well,
2: accidentally is a fun way to say it. But (laughs)
1: however, Microsoft does have, and this is an unofficial thing, but um, they do turn a blind eye. To uh, websites that post their older operating systems for retro purposes, hmm. so um, I think it's called Winsight Is a I, I might be wrong on that, okay. but there's a there's a website you can go to to download retro software. Uh, you know, not not everyone's like me and has their retro software on the <laughs> shelf behind them. Uh, but you can go and download like old copies of of DOS six two two and Windows three point one, Windows ninety five, Windows ninety eight, and for for all intents and purposes, that's piracy. That's but true. Microsoft is aware of that site. And and says no, you know you, you're posting it for retro purposes. It's not like we can make money off of Windows ninety eight. N- Nintendo anymore. Yeah. should
2: listen to these people. Right? Nintendo does not do that. N- Nintendo <laughs> has zero tolerance policy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, over time, um, you know, Windows two thousand I believe is is on that site, yeah. but Windows two thousand and three, like server, the server stuff is not on there. Mm. And so there there yeah. is a, a line. So eventually, that line I think will cross Windows seven. I don't think it's there yet. Cause no. you could legit run Windows seven today, but I will tack on to what Justin's comment was. There's there's people that if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yep. Right? Upgrades are a bit of a pain. But I think what will usher these people to upgrade is when they get hit by ransomware. Yep. Yeah. It
0: it just reminds me of all the infrastructure that runs on like uh what various old Linux op yeah. like, don't 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 touch it. Don't yeah. it's all good. Um yeah, I the Windows seven. Real quick, and I'm just been out of the loop. Don't use Windows seven. Is it still receiving like security updates and stuff? No. Okay. No. Yeah. yeah. So update. No. Uh,
1: I think even the they, they did the special program for the US government, mm. uh, where I believe it was the Navy that bought three extra years. I believe even that's up now. Mm. I I I don't think that there mm. are reliable updates from Windows seven. I, I could be wrong on that, Gotcha. for regular people, it's absolutely over.
2: Yep. Ronnie and I actually looked up yesterday and <laughs> did a showdown search for <laughs> How many um, hmm, devices were running Windows 2000 server and Windows 2003 server? And I think it was around 16,000 right. each, right around that. For That's both impressive. Of them. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them <laughs> were in Boca Raton <laughs> or like Palm Beach or somewhere down in South Florida. Yeah. My, really? My, yeah.
0: My comment stands. Like by far in it, the uh, U.S. Yeah. All right. Old grand. Yeah. Old like, grand.
2: That's yeah. exactly what I thought. It's like, oh, it's a bunch of old people that don't upgrade. Yeah. Mm. But this was server.
3: Uh, it it could be city governments, yeah, you know, schools that just aren't updating for that are run by reason. old people. Yeah, are, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> Hey, uh, Tom, <laughs> yep, you update a dead server? Heck no. <laughs> it, it could good be man. Uh, some kind of embedded systems as well. Yeah, Sometimes right. those misidentify. The, oh uh, yeah, that's true. And I know we had those uh, the video switches from Grass Valley where yeah, they're right. they're they had pand- a Windows Seven Windows
2: Seven embedded yeah mm-hmm. and and I hacked the piss out of
4: it yeah. yeah
1: people will look at that and be like it's embedded it's safe we don't have to worry about it yeah. yes you do yes <laughs> like
2: I did it with Metasploit it was like click put the, yeah okay we're in yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was easy that was super easy <laughs> yeah anyway yeah it was fun.
1: Well, anyhow, if you are banking on a free upgrade to Windows 11, your your timer is is according to Microsoft, it's up now. The folks over at Tom's Hardware did a test, and they were still able to do an upgrade as of the filming of this podcast. Uh, but that that timer is is almost over, so you need to do it right away if you want a freebie. Otherwise, you're gonna have to pay. And they they do sell it. I believe it's hundred dollars to upgrade. And they're working on a new subscription service where you can subscribe to Windows, mm-hmm. uh, and then you'll always get the latest version. So we'll see how that goes. And now
3: you you said it was just up in July, but according to this, it was up in July of 2016. The offer officially ended July of 2016, <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> so, so it's been over
1: just that, a little bit longer. That, that that's a big grace period. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> yeah. Huh, it's fine. Uh, Seven years. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, what's funny
0: is I've done an update like last year. Yeah, <laughs> so So uh, good thing I got in before the wire. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Ooh, that <laughs> was a close one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So interesting stuff right there. But uh, <laughs> all right, let's jump on over to our next article. We're gonna go over to the world of Linux for this one. Uh, it is October, and like it is every April and October, it's time for the latest release. Re- the latest release Reese. of Canonical's yeah. Ubuntu operating system, Ubuntu twenty three point ten, is about to drop. I thought Ubuntu uh, was a character in Terminator. <laughs> could be. <laughs> Uh, 23.10 will be releasing later this month. I think it's around the 23rd or 25th, somewhere around there that it's going to release. Uh, but when it does, uh, standard reminder, it's an odd numbered year and it's an October release. That means this is a short term support release. This is only going to have six months of support, which means come April of 2024. So when 24.04 comes out, that will be the next long-term support. So this is really a preview of what we're going to see in April, which makes it a little bit exciting. Normally, we we skip over the short-term releases, but here's a preview of what we've got coming in the future. Uh, some of the quick features, let me just highlight what, what's important on this one. Uh, <laughs> they're promoting as the big feature <laughs> is their all-new App Store. They've completely rewritten the App Store in Flutter, uh, we, we had the the main engineer for Flutter on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, that was we? A, a, a while, while back? back. Yeah, mm-hmm. that like, was
0: a while back. That oh was when God, I was still a right. regular on the podcast. Yeah,
1: was, he was like the creator of Flutter, wasn't he? Or, or like a core dev.
0: Yeah, he was big Go back and check through the library.
1: He was there. <laughs> I remember <laughs> Peter was there, I think,
0: and you were there. And So yeah,
1: Flutter he's... is pretty awesome, and apparently the people at Canonical think so too. And so they have completely re-architected the, uh, the app store in that now, I personally don't use their App Store. I just, you know... I was getting use... ready to ask, they have an App Store? That's yeah. Because <laughs> if you use apt from the command line, you
0: don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> Works pretty well. Ubuntu <laughs> has a GUI? That's yeah. weird.
1: Now, I, I could be nefarious on this one and say they're pushing the App Store because it hides the fact when you're installing a snap versus a real application. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don loves snaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the... Mm. I, I think I've been pretty vocal on that (laughs) one. Snaps are garbage. Uh, (laughs) So for our our network engineers out there and people that have to support Ubuntu in production environments, there is one change that's really important. So they are changing the security model for PPAs. When you install Ubuntu, it includes a certain set of repositories that you can install packages from, and you can add third-party repositories to your heart's content. You just have to create a a config file for it, and off you go. It's not, not a hard thing to do. Up until now multiple repositories could share the same digital signing key and to improve security Ubuntu is changing it so that now every repository has to have its own signing key. Now, a lot of times you're adding a repo, it's just one server. So it's one key anyway, so you won't notice the difference, but there are times like with Canonical's own repositories where there might be a security fix repo, a feature update repo, and and so on, you know, different ones for different purposes, those will no longer be able to share keys. So that's something that you want to start planning for today. If you know that you use multiple repos from the same vendor, the way you define those starting in 23.10 is going to be different. Now, it's possible this could roll back before 24.04, but I think it's really unlikely because I tested it out and it works fine. So I I couldn't spot any flaws in it. It's just something that we need to be aware of if we're going to be doing a deployment. Uh, You know, if you're using something to automate deployment of ubuntu servers when you bump up to 2310 or 2404 some of your repos might not work yeah this is uh I, I noticed playing
0: around with ubuntu a couple of weeks ago like this seems to be an add-on to like the add apt key like helper thing they're like don't use this anymore mm-hmm. yeah. like you yeah. should use gpg like the native tool set and then just like use t and add it to this file and then all your repos should be pointed to that key I'm guessing it was a setup of like, hey, we're going to make you have separate keys for these. Yeah. Um, so.
1: Yeah. Uh, supply chain attacks. Yeah. We, we've covered them. Maybe not every week, but they seem to happen a heck of a lot. We're actually going to cover popular. one this week. <laughs> uh, they, they really are. Yeah. Uh, some of the biggest, like the Solar Winds exploit that rocked yeah. the U.S. government, uh, those are oftentimes tied to the update paths that are performed. So having this be more secure, I think, is a valuable feature. Hmm. All right, so... Uh, any other cool uh, features? Yeah. I mean, y- you said a couple of features. I was um, like, are there any other things? So those are the ones that I thought mattered, but <laughs> I guess let me, let me cover ones that other people think matter. Okay. Uh, there is an emphasis on better tiling. Uh, I don't know, do, do any of you guys run Windows 11? Nick. I do. Uh, I do at home. Yeah. Okay. W- Windows 11 has some great tiling stuff in it. it. Does. So if you have a window that's not maximized and you float your cursor over the maximize button, you get like little previews of you want to go on the left side of the screen, right side, up in the quarters. It gives you quadrants and mm. all. Uh, if you do throw something on the left side of the screen, it kind of gives you suggestions on what could go on the right side of the screen. That's some slick stuff. Yeah, I, I enjoy that. Well, Ubuntu is starting to bake that in, and, and I shouldn't say Ubuntu. GNOME is starting to bake that in, gotcha. and Ubuntu defaults to using GNOME twenty something, no, oh, uh, forty five. GNOME forty five. Mm, you know,
2: it, uh, it's easy to kind of overlook the the user interface, like the experience, user experience. But I, I, you know, I'm I'm always kicking around with different versions of Linux, especially with all the different um, uh, security flavored Linux uh, that are out there. And a lot of them I will ditch even if they have great tooling and stuff like that just because my experience with the interface sucks. Yeah. Like dark text on dark background or everything's in that. dark mode except the title bar and it's bright white. And you're like, what the hell is this? What is with this weird coloring and theming? And, yeah, you can get in the guts of the thing and, and change all that. But it's like, why did you do this at all? Like, why, why, yeah. is, it, why is it not just – I don't know. That, I made that's chocolate chip thing.
0: cookies, but I didn't put any sugar in it. Yeah. Like, it kind of feels yeah. like a, a half-baked <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah. I. This is another thing. I I haven't tried it recently. This was something that drove me crazy. So Windows 11 has this, and then every time I try to do it on a Mac, they're like, oh, you need an extra application, or you need to install or pay for something. I'm like, I just want this window on the left side, and I want <laughs> this window on the right side. I think there's native ways to do that now, yeah. but it's not hover over the maximize key easily. I think it might be there yeah. to some extent, but yeah. it is, I do like that feature a great deal.
1: Ronnie, what was the Mac app that you and I used? It had a name like Momo or Moom or something like that, it had, um, that let us do Windows tiling. Yeah, I, uh, I remember I think it, it so might have been, been Moom. It was something like that. So it was window tiling in Mac. I'm going to search for it. Um, you know, engineers, developers. And I don't know if you've experienced this one, Justin, but have you ever heard of the i3 window manager?
0: Yeah, i3, and then there's a couple of other ones that are being pushed for Mac only that have come to recent. I forget the names of them, but yeah.
1: So if you are a if you are a hardcore engineer, and I, I mean the kind of engineer that would use... Uh, like a, a text editor as your UI, you know, the, the really nutso Richard <laughs> you're, Stallman you're types. Emacs user. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If so if you're super hardcore, there is a window manager called i3, and i3 forces everything to be tiled. You are not allowed to have overlapping windows. You, it's not even supposed to have things go in the background. Like things are tiled. That's how it works. So you can have your source code and your application and so on. And there are some developers that swear by this thing. It is a freaking nightmare. <laughs> and it is so like anti user. So it's like, oh, hold on now. <laughs> well, now I, I'm
0: not, so the i3 is very rigid. There's like some good compromises in recent tooling where it's like, yeah, you can do that, but then in combination with like virtual desktops or whatever, or multiple, you know, desktop, like you go, Well, here's all my tiles for my text editors or source code tools. Here's all my tiles for my, you know, browsing windows and things like that. And so I think that's a good compromise. But I have played with i3 a little bit, and that was it.
4: I (laughs) threw it away. I
1: threw it away. So with the new tiling changes in 23.10, it gives you some of that i3 functionality without the insane, like, like, crazy rules. Yeah. Yeah. So if you wanted to operate in tiled mode, you, you drop things in their tiles. It does a tile group. Everything's grouped together, and, and you get the effect of i3. But then when you want to break the rules and do something like, God forbid, check your email real quick, you can <laughs> pop a window up on top and break the rules and do it. So I, I think that's good. Um, I did find it on, on the Mac. There's software called Moom, M-O-O-M. And honestly, it should just be base functionality in the OS, yeah. but it, it gives that functionality in a Mac.
2: Stands for um, Move and Zoom Windows. Yeah,
1: I, I guess, guess makes and they sense. don't have
2: a very large marketing department.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the app costs like six bucks or something Move when I bought it forever zoom. ago. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> there's another <Genius>. one. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Called Bartender. Any of you guys use Bartender? Mm, no. So, in, in newer versions of Mac, I, I don't know if you guys get this, but in your in your system bar up at the top of the screen, it gets icon crazy. Up yeah. by the, and there's so many of them, oh. they overlap. Bartender lets you take over that and choose which apps show up, which ones huh. are hidden, and, and manage it. That should be in the base OS too. Like those yeah. are those are. I'm gonna sound like a commercial. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need to get commissioned for this. Yeah. But if you run a Mac, check out Moom and Bartender. They are essential. Make your life a
0: little easier. And these are applications, not like random local bars or anything. Like yeah, that.
4: they're in the they're in the
1: App Store. Uh, they're packaged with my malware. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. support and this services. Is Apple Store. <laughs> not source not source. Ubuntu <laughs> <laughs> App Store. Yeah, yeah. Right. So make sure we differentiate there. Although with Flutter, in theory, the app could run in both places. It could. It could. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else? On, what else is yeah, there? That's it. <laughs> Software I, updates.
0: Honestly, I usually don't mess with these ten releases just because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. Now I need to update again. And uh, I've, I've worked a couple of systems just going, yeah, I run the upgrade. Oh, it's broke. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. yeah. I got to reinstall
1: anyway, so. <laughs> I got to reinstall. Yeah. I, I always view the tens as a preview, yeah. right? especially the ones before an even year. Yeah. So we know a long-term support is about to come out. What you see in 2310 is the final proving ground of what's going to make it into that LTS version. All right, let's jump on to what I would say is arguably <laughs> the biggest news of the week. A little bit outside of what we normally cover, but important for... Uh, technology people the raspberry pi foundation did something completely unexpected this week <laughs> they released a bunch of raspberry pis uh you know so they they've been working better on that yeah. and and what daniel's alluding to is it's been borderline impossible yep. yeah. to find like you can get taylor swift tickets easier than you can get a raspberry, raspberry pi 4 with 8 gigs of ram uh, yeah, yeah. and
0: and if you do buy it it's usually in a back alley with a guy in a trench coat he's yeah. like i got the raspberry pis for you here's what you need <laughs> yeah. and you're like I don't think, yeah. Oh, you're yeah, I would I need that one. Yeah, I need that one. Um, yeah, the five. I tell me all about it, Donna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So they uh they recently have gotten a little bit better about supply chain. And so you you actually can get a Raspberry Pi 4. Now I ordered an eight gig one just a, a few weeks ago, uh, of <laughs> course, because the new version <laughs> was coming out. Uh but then they shocked us all by announcing the Raspberry Pi five, wish- <laughs> which is obviously better than the four because it's Five. It's got a five. Five
0: Five is greater than four. All right. Now, numbers work.
1: (laughs) Before we dive into this one too far, because there's some people who are probably wondering, like, why do I care about raspberry Pis? There are so many ways to use these things. It's crazy. So I thought I'd ask each of you, because I I know all of you use them at some point or another, like, What is one way that you have used a Raspberry Pi either? It doesn't have to be like production use, just some way that you found it useful. Ronnie, do you have one? Uh, I was
3: thinking, I I don't have anyone besides what we've done in production, which is to display some of the charts that we'd actually have in the business up on our screens.
1: Oh, yeah, like stick in a kiosk mode and it's hooked hooked up to a TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah, I've I've run clusters to play around
0: with Docker Swarm and Kubernetes. And uh, I've also done some like small automations with them. Um, and then I've broken a couple, um, <laughs> by doing, uh, using horrible power supplies. So <laughs> ah, those are the three that ways is True. That yeah. don't make sure you have a good power supply yeah. for, it. I think it's better in the newer versions. This was like a Raspberry Pi uh-huh. too. And I was like, this doesn't come on anymore.
1: Interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, because they can pull a couple of amps when they're, when they're cranking. Yep. you got to have a power supply for that. Yep. Uh, I have a Raspberry Pi 4 in a closet in my house that runs a handful of containers for me. Uh, <clears throat> my wireless access points need a controller software, and so I run that as a container. Uh, I have a virtual tabletop that I run for D&D night, and that runs in a <laughs> container on the, the Raspberry Pi. Uh, a handful of little like microservices, mm-hmm. and they just run on that thing. It sits in a closet. It's like having a server, and it's got enough juice to do it. Uh, incredibly useful. Uh, I have a Raspberry Four that I use as
2: pie Hole for DNS sink holing. and I also have a Raspberry Pi um, W two, which is the little the little tiny little one, tiny yeah. guy, mm-hmm. which I turned into like a piece of like Red Team kit, where I can just plug it into your network and it gives me Reverse Shell. So ba- almost kind of like a land turtle, but it mm-hmm. cost me like twenty five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you can't get a land turtle so yeah land <laughs> turtles are a out. bit overpriced yeah. yeah
0: yeah and i know several people who use it uh, as like their home automation yeah. yeah like for home assistant or something like that like hey i just have it sitting in i think the big plus for me is there's no fans like it's not cranking it doesn't get really hot
1: if you stack 5 of them together can confirm they will get hot <laughs> yeah yeah now the uh, the raspberry pi foundation did upset a lot of people that the uh, during the supply chain where it got difficult to get a hold of these devices, they struck a deal that any new stock was made available to commercial vendors and not to individuals. That they had been working deals for, like, smart TVs to use Raspberry Pis and, and laptops and things of that nature. And so they took care of them and not the makers that helped to to, to get them where they are. Uh, so some people are boycotting the Raspberry Pi 5, but it does have some improvements Slightly faster processors. So now it's two point four gigahertz over the two to two point two that you used to get. So not a not a giant leap. Uh, it can support decoding four K at uh, uh, sixty hertz, which you know is is fairly impressive for such a small box. Dual four Ks. What's that? It says dual four Ks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the dual four K. That's kind of important. So mm-hmm. they they've added some stuff to the board in the 5 that makes it worthwhile for an upgrade. And there's three features in particular that I want to call out. So first off is the one Ronnie mentioned. There's a a special ribbon cable adapter on a Raspberry Pi 4 that allows you to hook an external display up to it. The Raspberry Pi 5 now has two of those connectors. It also has the two HDMI connectors. So you can do the the ribbon cable to a touchscreen, or you can do the output to HDMI, and you can do high resolution, which is pretty impressive. So that's one thing that they've upgraded. The second thing is... They've added a PCIe 2.0 port. I don't know if any of you guys have messed with external storage on the Raspi's. If it's a USB key, it works fine. But all the ones that <laughs> allow you to attach an SSD yeah. are pretty clutch. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to. I was like, oh, man, this would be nice. I will
0: have me a nice little storage device on my network, blah, blah, blah. And then after reading, I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to mess with it. Because every article I read at the time, I'm not saying it's like this now was a little bit different, and there was, like, borderline magic sometimes. Yeah. They're like, what you do is you, you put this in here, and you boot it, and then you pull this out, and then you plug this up, and then, <laughs> and then you cross your fingers, and you knock on wood and hope the druid
1: fairies make it work. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the main reason that was such a challenge is they would usually have some kind of SATA controller that was then converted to USB and it would hijack one of your USB ports. And so that just was not uh, a recipe for success. It caused a lot of boot problems. It was really hard to boot from Mm -hmm. SSD or external storage at all. Well, now we've got a dedicated PCIe 2.0 port, which means we can have fast peripherals. And the intention is for storage, but you could use it for other things. Uh, But storage is the main thing. And then the third upgrade is they've moved to their own in-house developed GPU. So they have what's called the VideoCore VII or 7.0. GPU, uh, my understanding is it was in-house developed, so I don't know how they got to 7 so fast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that means they, they licensed the technology. But either way, if you've messed with any of the GPUs in prior ones, like let's say you set up a Retro Pi or something like that on, on a Raspberry Pi, the video card drivers have been janky as all get out. Like they sort of work, they sort of don't. Now it's a fully documented open video chipset. And so we'll have better graphics support coming out of it. That's partly why they can support the extra monitors and other things. Does this uh, OpenCL?
0: Does it support OpenCL? Does it talk anything about that? I
1: don't know. It uh, specifically specifically mentioned Vulkan uh, on the graphics side, but I don't know about OpenCL. I, I was
0: just wondering, like for like a, a test bed for playing around with like a general purpose GPU kind of thing.
1: But. Yeah, I know the um, NVIDIA is it called the Jetson? Like that board is considered the, the standard for test beds doing compute mm-hmm. and so on. I, I don't think Raspberry Pi was trying to target that because they, they, they always try and keep their price point yeah. down. So I, I don't know. Um, I will say they, they backed off of a few things they haven't done in the past. Like they're, they try and keep these things expensive, inexpensive, right? right? And they still are. The Raspberry five is priced. I think it's $5 more expensive than the Raspberry Pi four. But there's little things like the Raspberry Pi 4 didn't have a real-time clock, which was annoying. So <laughs> every time you booted it up, you had no idea what time was going to show up on it until it's synchronized with an NTP server. Now it's got a built-in RTC. And it's it's little things like that that, that make a big difference. Have you, either
2: of you played with the alternatives to Raspberry Pi, like Banana Pi or Orange Pi. Or BeagleBone or Beagle Odroids
0: or yeah. O-Droid, any yeah. of that. So I looked into some of those when I was
2: because I was like, "Oh, I'll get a couple
0: more Raspberry Pi cuz I wanted to set up yeah. Home Assistant." And then that was like And then nope. I was like, "Oh, I can't find any. Hey, here's a reseller." I don't I think I'll just get a NUC if I'm going to pay that much <laughs> yeah, for it. Like 300 dollars uh, Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh yeah, I've I haven't really played with any of them just because it didn't come along, but uh I have been intrigued by a few of them just yeah. for like the hardware provided for the given price
1: point. but see what kind of performance you get
2: out of yeah. it versus
1: a Raspberry the the challenge i've run into with those I, i've tried a few yeah. is if you use the os provided by the vendor mm-hmm. it works fine right mm. but when you start to look at other oss like can i just go to canonical and get their ubuntu and throw it on there then it starts to get flaky mm, yeah. right and the problem is that the vendors tend not to support their oss very well so if you're if you're happy with that os and that's what you want to stick with then they work fine and you can certainly use them but Raspberry Pi has a great ecosystem around them, and there's tons of options. You can get Fedora, Ubuntu. You can get all sorts of distros that are out there. You can roll your own. The hardware is all commonly supported. Mm. And even Raspbian OS is, is like
0: supported fairly that, well, comparatively. It's way better now than it used to be. Oh, yeah. I remember today. Uh, click. Oh, I better go get me a sandwich. <laughs> let that go ahead and get up. But it's, it's a lot better. I yeah. mean, hardware helps a great deal. Uh, I have not played with the PoE stuff. That that seems intriguing to me for some reason.
1: Yeah, you know, there, there were some weird announcements on PoE. So in, in the Raspberry Pi 4 earlier, you had to get a PoE hat. So a, an extra board mm. to stick on if you wanted to do PoE for it. Uh, in the Raspberry Pi 5, it's still a hat, but it's weird. Uh, it's <laughs> like shaped like an L, and it's designed to go on there and still leave room to add other things. Uh, cooling was a big problem. Like When you put the hat on before, you couldn't stick a fan in there. Mm. It, it blocked the fan. Now it's shaped like an elderly room for the fan, mm. and that's that's something they haven't really talked about yet. And I, I pre-ordered one of these so I can test it myself. It sounds like the Raspberry Five Five is going to run a lot hotter uh-huh. than previous versions. Even talk about some of the different uh, accessories there,
3: such as active cooling, and they do have <laughs> all that stuff in there now that yeah. you can add on.
1: Uh, it's mm. USB C. It is for the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh
3: man,
0: I'm so don't have to guess which way to turn things. I, I just love it. <laughs> And then the, the the what was it? It was the micro USB before, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, that's how I borked a couple of my boards because I was like, "Hey, this plugs in, click." Oh, that doesn't work anymore. So, <laughs> uh,
1: I, I don't think you didn't have to guess with the old one. You just knew you were wrong, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever way you went, it yeah. was wrong. Yeah. And you're
2: like,
0: oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's broke. Yeah. Uh, I, I have I added uh, like like heat sinks to mine just because I had them mm-hmm. stacked up in a in a cluster, and that did help. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of not having like turbines running in my closet. <laughs> so I'm hoping these active cooling solutions, you know, maybe a small word or something yeah. like that, yeah.
1: all right. Well, uh, like I said, I, I have pre-ordered some of these, so I'll, I'll test some out and see what we can do. And, uh, and if you follow our, uh, YouTube channel, then at Christmas time, we're going to be doing a 12 days of it Christmas giveaway. And at at a minimum, I've pre-ordered them. I should have them by then. Uh, assuming I get my hands on them, we will give away at least Ooh. one Raspberry Pi in our Christmas giveaway. So uh, that's a easy way if you're that one lucky person to upgrade. That's right. that's <laughs> Everybody so else, is losers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, I think that's going to be a wrap for our tech news segment. We still have a lot coming up as we jump into cybersecurity in the second half. So stay tuned. But otherwise. We'll be back after these messages. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back to TechNATO. Everybody, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Our first half was tech news, but now we're going to switch gears over to cybersecurity, the area that we have no shortage of. Uh, You know, preparing for this podcast, half my time is really spent sifting through the cybersecurity articles because there's so many that are out there. I would assume it's kind of like when you're looking
2: for tech articles, it's like, man, I really hope to find a good one. And then when you get to cybersecurity, you're like, I really hope I can trim this. <laughs> Sometimes way. it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like we probably could convert to a straight up cybersecurity podcast, yeah. but there, there's plenty of those that are yeah. out there. So we I don't, don't want to compete. Yep.
0: I just have this weird image of like getting, you remember those fax bulletins when fax machines were still a thing and mm-hmm. they just got randomly come through. But with cybersecurity, you just be like, Hey, it's just a room full of paper. Yeah. Like every time I come in there, I'm like, what are we going to do with all of this stuff?
1: Yeah. This Stuff is burning. So, you have to get the, the old school tractor fed. Yeah. Remember yeah, those? Yeah. And the, like, you just feed out the whole box. Yeah. <laughs> probably would. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump to our first one. This one comes to us from the folks over at Ars Technica. A new Chrome Zero Day is sending the internet into a new chapter of Groundhog Day. Mm. New. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, for this one, it's an interesting one because the, the exploit is, is, Bad, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? So there is a vulnerability in VP8 images, and so if you go to a website that contains an image that's encoded with VP8, which is honestly not all that common oh, right now, I was going to say. Um, but if you do hit that, the the image could be configured to contain a payload that would get executed by your browser. Now, some of that happens in the browser sandbox, so not that big of a deal. But some of it can escape, and that is a big deal. If this sounds familiar. It was almost identical that there was a similar CVE just about three weeks ago. I'm not entirely sure that we reported on it because the the usage of VPA is not as great mm. as it, it will be in the future. Uh, I think I skipped over that article. But, <laughs> but the reason I bring it up today is not so much that I want to focus on VPA. Uh, what I want to focus on is a little change that Google has made when they announced this. When they announced the previous uh, vulnerability. They said, look, we, we got a vulnerability in Chrome. It's significant. We need to rush an update out. And they push an update out for their Chromebooks and for Chrome itself to update. But it turns out the vulnerability wasn't just in Chrome. It was in the library they were using to, to render these VP8 images uh, and videos. I keep saying images, but yeah. it's images and videos. And that library had a vulnerability. and That library was used by a lot of other projects and so people felt like Google should have highlighted that because there were other projects using the VP8 library that didn't know they had a vulnerability, they didn't know they needed to update. And time went on, and 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 then these were some some big ones. Uh, the the big one that I saw was VLC. Tons mm-hmm. of people yeah. use VLC. Uh, I say oh, that. I use VLC. Yeah? Yeah. 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 It's it's my go-to.
0: I'm like, Absolutely. oh, this doesn't play correctly. Listen, Listen, VLC yeah. seems it, to work. If
2: if you wanted to play. <laughs> Put
0: it DLC in VLC. It, uh, unless it's a VP8, apparently. I, I believe <laughs> I could open,
4: open toast <laughs> with VLC, man. Yeah. It, it if it. that
1: toast is encoded with VP8, uh, it yeah, could go bad. Yeah. And I, I always wondered, how do they, like, do you remember the old days? If you had a DVD player in your computer yeah. and you wanted to watch a DVD, you had to have a program that had a DVD codec to be able oh, to correct. play it. So yeah. you had to buy something uh, until the DCSS thing or whatever. How does VLC get around all the codec licensing? That's a great question. Yeah,
2: I, I don't. It's not for me to wonder why Don, <laughs> I'm just just to yeah, enjoy just the product. Listen, I don't get in
0: my car and go, I wonder how this starts. Yeah. Like, I just yeah. I just go with Question yeah. engine. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Also, I think the landscape has changed a little bit. Aren't a
1: lot of those codecs, they aren't necessarily as locked down as they used to be. Right. Some of them have fallen out of copyright, like their their copyright window ended or trademark or whatever it is that they're protected under. Uh, but not all of them, you know. Is it uh, Fraun- Fraunhofer that had the MP3 codec for the longest time? Oh, I don't remember that right. one. That one's now gone into the public domain, and so you know you can play that. But VLC was playing it before it was in public domain. Yeah, I, I <laughs> VLC think VLC
2: had two birds up. Yelling, what up? I do think they're a little <laughs> bit less concerned with some yeah. of that.
1: But either way, <laughs> VLC was one. Adobe, yeah, uh, various Adobe products used this. Android used it. Uh, Skype. Which, yep. uh, does anybody use Skype anymore? What's Skype? Yeah. yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what Skype I, think, is. I think I purged that from my brain. Yeah. Skype is a, a textbook demonstration of what happens when a large corporation buys a good idea. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, that's yeah. so it. So uh, it serves as an example, I think. Yes, it does. That's its purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also supports VP8. <laughs> 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 so this time, when Google had a zero day, they took the extra step of saying... Yes, there's a vulnerability. Yes, it affects chrome and and Chromebooks, chromium, all their stuff, but it also affects this library and they publish that so people know. So other projects that are out there that use these libraries can be aware of it. and justin, i'm I'm glad we have you on the show because you are a resident developer person yeah and uh, and I imagine you deal with libraries pretty regular yeah uh, I, it's it's funny. I have become more and more um
0: Kind of paranoid about that <laughs> kind of, I'm like, yeah, this works, but is it up to something no good? Uh Or like building software is hard, and it's really easy to do it incorrectly, and then it just goes everywhere. And uh well, then you end up with stuff like this. And you go, I don't know how that happened. I do. It's hard to do it well, and you weren't doing it well. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the hard truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm not immune to it. I'm. I'm definitely like. Oh yeah, I guess that technically is a SQL injection right there. Oops. So, um, I Daniel and I were talking about this article. I was like, "What is VP8,
2: man?" Well, like, it was the libvpx library, right? That's what we looked up. It yeah. says libvpx is a free software video codec library from Google and the Alliance for Open Media. It serves as the reference software implementation for the VP8 and VP9 video coding formats, and for AV1, a special fork named LibAOM that was stripped of backwards compatibility. I, like,
0: mm. I think I've been out of the—I I think I've just got so used to going, double-click on video. Hey,
1: it runs. Yeah, look cool. at I, I don't even yeah. know
0: anything about these things.
1: So, it— it was a product of the licensing wars, right? So remember, like I mentioned a few minutes ago with uh, Fraunhofer and MP3. Mm -hmm. Well, there was the Ogg Vorbis format. Do you guys remember remember Ogg? Yeah. yeah. It's still out there. It's it's, (laughs) It's it's not gone. But people talk about it that way like, oh, I remember that. Where Never forget. (laughs) People said, look, we need a somewhat lossy format that can compete with MP3 that doesn't have all these license restrictions around it. Mm. And... And basically in the video world, we needed that, too, because you had, uh, it was like the, what was it the AVI used? Well, like H.264 and all that was using the MP4 mm-hmm. codecs inside of it, and then Apple started pushing theirs, which I don't remember what it's called, A something, all their stuff starts with an A. A or something, uh, A4. Yeah. yeah some weird thing. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. but they all had licensing restrictions around it. And so Google helped to fund an open source initiative to start creating some video codecs that weren't restricted for that. And what they really wanted it for was HTML5 apps. You know, If you wanted something embedded in a website, you wanted to be able to play video and have it support multiple platforms, it needed to be open source. Uh, I think one of the initial movers for it was you couldn't watch Netflix on Linux machines. And it was video codec problems and hmm. DRM
0: problems. Was that the same thing that played YouTube on some Linux district? Like you would try to open up youtube and like it wouldn't stream.
1: Oh, I'm I'm sh- I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so you didn't know if your linux distro was going to have codecs because they wouldn't include closed source mm, software yeah, yeah. and codecs that had to be licensed like your linux distros had to stay on the up and up. And so the initiative was created to to create a video encoded or an encoding format that wasn't I'm trying to remember the right word. Encumbered. That's it. That wasn't license encumbered. Word of the day. There word we go. The <laughs> the and in, in, unencumbered. So,
2: interesting thing. I, I was reading through the um, the comments yeah. of this article. In the comments, they started talking a lot about memory safe browsers. And I can't wait for the day when memory safe browsers are like a thing. And uh, someone mentioned I servo. Had that. <laughs> uh, apparently uh, so I looked up this servo, an embeddable independent memory safe modular parallel web. Rendering engine, Uh, any isn't that is that a Mozilla product? I don't see
0: that. I know Tom Servo. I know Tom (laughs) Servo. So I'll maybe this is me being a little cynical when someone goes, "It's memory safe." I go, "I bet it's not." (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll take that bet. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You just ain't found anybody to make it not memory safe yet, Uh, because that's very hard to do and. It's always up and up. But, I, I mean, hopefully it is. Uh, servo rings a bell, though. The server yeah. the server rendering engine. Is that yeah. what you said?
2: Yeah, I want to... Is it written in Rust? I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I've been hearing. It's like and Rust. It is the new just, hotness. Everything should just be in Rust at this point because it's memory safe. Yeah, they say that.
0: <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. I love Rust. Uh, it is finicky sometimes. You're like, <laughs> hey... This doesn't behave like that, but it does do a lot of things to keep you from doing like, hey, I'm referencing uh, deallocated memory yeah. or whatever. Um, and it smacks your there hands There are still <laughs> ways to get memory, unsafety, and, and Rust, so that's why I was asking. Gotcha. So.
1: Well, at the end of the day, regardless of whether you use Google's products or not, or whether you like or hate VP8, VPA, uh, it is nice to see them starting to acknowledge the libraries that are impacted, and I, I kind of view it as giving back to the community, right? They're supporting that that library developer by saying, here's a vulnerability, you need to patch this, and any product that depends on that needs to update it. Uh, If you store your source code in GitHub, things like Dependabot will help you detect these and make sure you're doing your updates so it helps the community all around. All right, let's jump over to our next article, uh, which is, oh, you know, I I forgot to do the the segment on that last one. (laughs) Oh, my bad. Uh, That was a deja news. That was a deja news. This next article is Who Got Pwned? <laughs>
2: Looks like you're about to get pwned.
0: Fatality.
2: Yeah. All
1: right. A little tongue in cheek <laughs> on this one because who got pwned this week is somebody who's actually already pwned. It's just <laughs> continuing to extend and grow and get worse. We need a segment on Who Got Pwned More? Yeah. Or, you know, uh, could it get any worse? It,
2: ponied. Yeah. Who's uh, no. still oh, getting yeah. pwned? Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, so this time it is Progress Software. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, their uh, their file transfer utility, MoveIt, has been the center of a massive supply chain attack that has impacted some really big corporations and government entities all over the world. So pretty hard to ex- escape this one in the news cycle. We've covered it here on the podcast. While they have a number of other products in their portfolio— one of which is WSFTP. Now, if you've not heard of WSFTP, um, I don't blame you because most people don't use FTP anymore. They're right. not secure. But WSFTP is one of the original Windows-based FTP servers. It stands for WinSock File Transfer Protocol. I ran WSFTP for the first time on like Windows NT four. Whoa! Uh, so so in it's been the, around a hot minute. In the late nineties, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 I don't know that that it had just come out back then. Like it had probably been <laughs> out for a little while. So this is software that's been around for literal decades. And if you're in a Windows environment, your Windows machine doesn't include an FTP server. You have that janky stuff through IIS. That doesn't really count. Mm. Uh, so if you needed a quick and easy FTP server with a GUI to manage it. WSFTP was one of your go-tos. And so there's a lot of small and medium businesses that would leverage this in the past. I say in the past, you really shouldn't be using FTP for anything today, even stuff you don't care about. Like it's just so much easier to use SSH to do file transfers uh, and SFTP. But people do. And WSFTP has been updated to support SFTP uh, and FTPS, which is a weird one. I I don't know why anyone would use that. but, uh, But it turns out that Move it wasn't the extent of the compromise for progress software that there is a already exploited that's not the right word uh, an exploit that is being used in the wild for WSFTP. They've released a patch. So mm-hmm. if you do the update, you've got it. But if you're the kind of company that's running FTP software still <laughs> after all these years, you're probably not the kind of company that applies updates on a regular basis. It's those same people running Windows seven. Yes. <laughs> yep, <that's probably. laughs> uh
0: so I'm glad you explained what WS meant, because given this title of this article, I was like, what sucky FTP. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, hopefully you don't get a cease and desist after that one. But um So
2: fun, uh, Justin, this is something that I have been uh, we just talked about this yesterday because we we're filming OWASP top ten for twenty twenty one. And we talked about deserialization attacks. This is a .NET deserialization in one of the major um, CVEs for this specific piece of software. And that's a lot of fun because that makes you could probably go, hey, while you're doing that, do this too. And it goes, okay, that yeah. sounds fun. I'll get that taken care of for you. And you're like, awesome. That's another one of
0: those things where, like, when you're developing, you don't really think about it. You go, well, no, nah, it's fine. And then someone goes, well, what if I have it do this too? And you go, oh, I didn't see that coming. That's, <laughs> nice. oops,
1: uh, tricky ones. Yeah. Tricky ones. Tricky
0: indeed. Interesting.
1: Now, the the group that is exploiting this the most, right, because yeah, anybody can exploit it now. It's out, <laughs> out <there> in the <laughs> wild. But the, the group that is pushing this the most is doing something kind of interesting. Uh, it is said that, uh, according to the register, that uh, the ransoms that they are demanding, which are getting paid, are significantly higher than the standard ransoms that are out there. In fact, they list the average uh, as being around $740,000 once they've uh, gained a foothold in your environment. So that's that's a bit of money. It's Man. been some mistake to make. Yes, it is.
0: I, sometimes I wish I did not have a conscience <laughs> because that's a lot of money.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. But, but That's uh,
2: funny. I, I can't do that, No. but I'm like, I see the appeal. I just see, see the, a technical error in the Register's article that was talking yeah. about the Bishop Fox Silver. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not Silver. It's Sliver.
1: Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: The key sliver, spell yeah check. sliver C2. is So uh, according it's a to source. that, right, yeah.
3: they're saying that they took a tool mm-hmm. that that company developed and exploited this.
2: Is that what? So they use – so. They used an open source C two framework for command and control. Mm-hmm. So what happens is when they exploit the WSFTP deserialization vulnerability, or the yeah they had some sort of like unauthorized upload um, where you could get remote code execution or remote command execution, it would then reach out for stage two, which was the implant or um, what's uh, yeah it's like an implant. It's a basically. The, the thing that allows you to now start talking the Beacon for Sliver. Okay. And now, okay, cool. I can, I have now command and control over that device. So it's first order of business is to reach out to a C2 framework and say, hey, give me the software I need to install so that I can run and give you, you know, remote command and control. So uh, Sliver has become very, very popular because I think we talked about this last week, uh, things like brute and, um, um Cobalt Strike. Yeah. My, my brain is not working today. Uh, they're, they're becoming much more popular, or they have been very popular for a little bit now uh, in the evil worlds, and people are starting to use these good tools for nefarious purposes, so they're starting to get hammered a whole lot more. They're AV and EDR really going wild on detections. So like, well, let's pivot to something else that doesn't have a bunch of detections. Sliver has gained, uh, Mythic is another one. There's a bunch of them that are out there. They're not the only games in town, but they are the ones that kind of have gained some popularity here recently. So I'm not surprised to see Sliver.
3: That Sliver, something that that team, that Bishop Fox red team, they developed
2: that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so now it's just kind of made its way into the wild. Yeah. And, it's open yeah. source. Yeah. So you can just go to GitHub and download it and, mm-hmm. and, and rock with it. I've, I've played with it. I've actually uh, messed around with the idea of, of doing a tutorial on how to spin that up, work in the team server. I thought Daniel was now going to confess to a crime. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. all this article has been yeah. about me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> just, uh.
0: just for clarity, that's not what happened. No. But that, that's what went through my I was like, oh, man, Dad, don't say it. Yeah. Not oh, possible the, to the, company, yeah.
3: the company itself, though, it, it did say we put out a patch. Everything was, you know, mm-hmm. companies oh, yeah. were patching. Towards the end of the article is where they, they start to respond. Like, whoever s- reported this, they went ahead and just kind of reported it out there. It didn't seem like the, the company didn't think
2: that they got a chance to.
1: Oh, responsible do. disclosure? Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's kind oh. of weird.
2: Uh, yeah, that's that. usually not a very cool thing to do. That, yeah. Because was it Rapid7 that discovered this? Or was somebody at Rapid7 reported on it first, I think?
3: Yeah, I I don't remember. But I just and- remember towards the end of the article, they were saying that, like, the company was responding, like, we were in the middle of, of sending out the patches, or people were updating, and then it got reported out there. And so they essentially gave a blueprint to everybody that was attacking to be able to get the attack in before the patch happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. It was yeah. a
0: message posted on their FTP server. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, an- another cool thing about this uh, I was reading the Rapid Seven post, and they were able to use another open source tool yep. that a lot of red teamers and black hats alike tend to use. It's called Wiso Serial. And it'll basically, you say, hey, here is the payload I would like you to serialize and give me a serialized payload to feed into the machine so that it can deserialize it. So uh, if you haven't checked that out and you're into uh, offensive security type of things, red teaming, uh, check out YSO Serial and you can download that. It's free.
1: Cool. Yeah, I had mentioned it last week about, because we, we were talking about CrowdStrike, yeah. and I said, I thought that was a tool for the good guys, yeah. and you said it's a tool for everyone. It's, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. a tool. <laughs> Listen, I can take a garden hoe and kill people with it. <laughs>
2: That's not its yeah. intended function.
1: <laughs> but it would work. work. It would work. <laughs> it would do the trick. All right, let's jump over to our last article of the day. Uh, this one falls in our dope category. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: Ramey, Fosso, Latino, so dope.
1: All right. sometimes people <laughs> make mistakes I've been there I, I think we've all mm-hmm. made a mistake at some point uh, or another flawless. Uh, yeah some,
2: perfection right here
1: <laughs> sometimes there's just enough irony attached to it to make it almost comical uh. Uh, and yet sad at the same time and that's what we have today in a article from cybernews.com. Cybersecurity company Darkbeam leaks billions of email and password combinations. Millions? Billions, yeah. billions. 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 Okay, what is this?
0: I, you said cybersecurity? <laughs> uh, yes. As that's, that's what Darkbeam
2: does? That, Man.
0: That's it. Gotcha. That'll get you every
3: time. It's Hold on, Mori Povich is at the yeah. door and he's got
2: like a lie detector result. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a
3: digital risk protection firm. Oh, uh, they didn't... Protect yeah. themselves. Yeah, <laughs>
1: well, they're good at protecting
2: you, not uh, them.
1: <laughs> Darkbeam has a, a couple of products, but one of the services that they offer is that they, I'm doing air quotes for listeners, monitor the dark web <laughs> uh, to look for credentials that have been uh, harvested from websites in like breaches. Data breaches, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and and the kind of like have I been pwned or whatever. Yes, yeah. very very similar to that, right? Except. Unlike have I been pwned that shares their information with the world, Darkbeams is private. And in in my experience, and I, I I do not have evidence that Darkbeam is doing this, but in my experience, the companies that have a private list like this are almost always purchasing credentials from the dark web, mm. which there's ethical concerns around that. So let let's just pretend for a moment that's not the case here, okay, but yeah. it likely is. Yeah, and so uh, Darkbeam <laughs> might be like getting let's their just as so. <laughs> Darkbeam has a collection of user credentials that have been compromised that is greater than, and different than that offered by Have I Been Pwned? Dark Beam is like compromising people.
2: <laughs> that's how they're getting right.
1: their lists. I mean, that's the that's the old mafia model, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, 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 the real horrible. Really hate got in, this. in here. You know, yeah. Yeah. I found this list of users and passwords. Uh, <laughs> it would be a shame if that guy leaked so, on that dark web.
3: So the numbers now make sense because I was like, they don't have 3.8 billion customers. There's no possibility no. that one. No, they don't. For-. Yeah. Yeah. So that now makes sense yeah. if they... We're able to get a list from the park.
1: and so if you sign up with them yeah. they have a service and you can like you can connect your active directory to them or you can provide oh, yeah. them a user list and and anytime your people turn up they let you know like whoa hey there, there's been a breach that included the credential reset yeah. the password and and honestly that's a, that's a good service because mm-hmm. you can reset a password before it gets used or or whatever Hopefully, right yeah. When your credit card is stolen as part of a big breach, it takes a while for the attackers to get to your credit card. But they'll get there one day. Unless you happen to be on the top of that list. Uh, I can yeah, happen to. It, yeah, yeah, it's a that bit that... of a crapshoot. Number one, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, uh oh, why did you name me, you know, Andy <laughs> <laughs> A.A.A. Amos? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> what was it in uh, Hot Fuzz with A. Aaron Aronson? Yeah, hey, hey, Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. like, Why is that my name? <laughs> All right, well. So we've kind of described the service at this point, and it makes yeah. sense. There's a number of companies that offer this type of solution. Where this one goes wild and, and gets us into our dough moment is a an engineer or group of engineers over at Darkbeam had brought up an elastic Search and Kibana... Database, which is a very popular database solution for doing big data analysis and rapid searches of large Was data on sets.
2: Jimmy Tango's weight loss program at the time, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, they they didn't secure the interface. Uh, no. This is the old like oh I forgot oh, to lock the, line the door. Right yeah. yeah, yeah, and okay. S three bucket, Mongo databases. You what, hear about these all what, the
0: time. What blows my mind is like, <clears throat> I'm not. Being that I didn't read the article. I asked a question before I said something. All right, I'm here for reactions. Yeah, sir. I'm here for reactions. We want raw reactions Um, from Justin. So was this like they got inside their systems and then found this open endpoint, or was it just public? It was public. public. All right. So here's the sub. I don't know of any particular reason why I would need unless it was a service I was selling, like as an API. Yeah. Like I don't know of any reason that I would have an Elasticsearch Kibana cluster. Open to the internet, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I'm trying to think, I'm like, all cloud service, like, lock it down. It can only originate from here. But I think that goes to show you it was probably someone inexperienced or not thinking of something. Or, hey, I use this old infrastructure as code module, and it's for a public endpoint, which, I again, I don't, don't do that.
2: You, you know, it, it is things like this that make it difficult for people to get into cybersecurity because mm-hmm. what, what's the one thing that – Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into cybersecurity job. I got me some certs. I've done some CTFs. I've done X, Y, or Z to try to get in. And they go, cool. What experience do you have? It's because they're trying to avoid this yes. kind of thing right yeah. here because they don't want to be. Oh no, we let the new guy or, or yeah, girl. But- put their hands on something
0: and they totally borked it. But I would argue with something this valuable given what your company does. Yeah. yeah I hope it's not just one person. Yeah. So,
2: uh, this is why I'm a huge proponent of like I th- I think that there should just be like apprenticeships. Like we should be doing more type apprenticeship type things where okay, cool, you've got all the search, you've got all the, you know, done all the things to prove that you have the ticket price paid to get into it. We're going to sit you over here with Joe and Joe has been doing this for the last 12 years. And he is going to teach you how to build up a good methodology and a good workflow and do all the right things. And he's going to kind of put some training wheels on you for a year, and then we'll take the training wheels off and we can we can go. If we have more programs that did that, I think we'd see that cybersecurity skills gap really start to shorten. I would I would even argue as like even if you don't call them like that's just
0: an effective like onboarding right yeah. right because. Well, they learn try-by-fire. Yeah, they learn by opening up your elastic surgery and the bio cluster <laughs> yeah. to the public. Oops. And then you go, oh, man. Also, I thought, maybe they're not purchasing. Maybe they're bartering. I'm
2: like, Ooh. hey, we
1: <laughs> have some new creds for you. You want some of yeah. these? i yeah. got some more.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: so, so Daniel, where where the argument starts to fall apart a little bit, yeah. though, is when you look at, like, LastPass, yeah, yeah. where it was one of their top four engineers. That, well, no one's yeah. perfect now, but yeah. it's like the, uh, just in general, these are all in generalities yeah. you, you would see an increase. So, let's assume for a minute that DarkBeam is, is on the up and up, that they've mm-hmm. not purchased credentials, so it, yeah. it's, it's stuff that they've acquired through various legitimate means, uh, and then this is, is now leaked out. Right. At a minimum... This has given attackers a much easier database to use. Like when you brute force a password, here we've got... Uh, several billion passwords yeah. that they can use to populate a library and possibly hit mm-hmm. things much faster. They've got credentials they can try. It's all in a XML format. That's like insanely easy to parse or JSON. I was like, XML. Sorry. Whoa. Even if I have to apart, I'd be like, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm going forward a decade here. So it's all in a JSON format. That's easy to parse and leveraging your tools. And, uh, still it, not the big one though.
2: Still Rocky's still the king of the hill with like 8.4 billion yeah. um entries. Well so three point eight. At least they can say well, we weren't the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> you are still pretty yeah. still pretty big breach.
3: I know that's a good sales point, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean we're not Rocky. Well <laughs> no.
1: Rocky. Help, help me remember. Aren't they like a a sports company or something? Yeah, they were yeah. like
2: some online like uh, right sports system. I forget. I, I never used it. I, okay. I the only reason I ever heard of Rocky was because I found the list and was like, oh, this is this is useful. Um-
0: not even going to lie, in my mind, that doesn't even come to mind. text. I go, yeah, I'm going to rock your world when I get inside yeah. here. Yeah, it, it,
2: was, it was a website called rocky Gotcha. And it, it was their user base. I'm trying to find. Which oh, was massive. And the
1: website is no longer active, yeah, so I don't so know what weird. they were. Huh, that's they,
0: weird. I wouldn't have expected them to be out of business.
1: But <laughs> they, they weren't a cybersecurity company. No, <laughs> no they, they were, were not. Being, they were not a cybersecurity company. <laughs> that's where this goes from a who got pwned yeah. to a straight up dope, no, yeah. like, <laughs> oof. Big, yep. big whiff. Uh, That's tough. And I don't know. Darkbeam, um, I've seen them at conferences. They're They're like, Can you stop saying our name? With they've, been, they've been around a little while. So I don't know how this will impact them. Uh, Technically, how did it impact LastPass from the last time they were at well, a conference? So he, here's the difference. By the way, Justin, I know, uses LastPass. <laughs> Dark Meme has leaked credentials that were already compromised Right. versus LastPass leaked credentials right. that were so not, not compromised. compromised. LastPass's credentials were encrypted, though. The attackers <laughs> are going to work at it. Dark right. memes aren't. So I don't, in my mind, I don't put Dark Meme at the same level yeah. as, as LastPass, right? LastPass was a total debacle. Uh, but it, it's going to be embarrassing for them. I bet they can survive this, though.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: I think it... it even though we've been joking and, and having some jabs and stuff, I I, I do want to clarify. Like, could have happened to me at any time, right? You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I did these things. Um, I think it's the the after effects is like how it's going to affect them. Right? If if they brush it off, I don't think that's going to brush it off. Maybe not be the the word I'm the, the phrase I'm looking for. But if they're, it depends on what actions they take because that's not going to gather any sympathy. Right, right. If if they can phrase it in a way of like, oh yeah, people make mistakes. No one's one hundred percent perfect, right? Right? Those type things. Um, Hopefully, this isn't one of those things that we come back to three weeks from now and go, oh, we found out more. It's worse. Yeah. So
2: depending on like what kind of credentials they end up finding in this disclosure, uh, you know, that's that's really kind of when it starts getting interesting. Because I mean, you name just about any large company, even even a lot of cybersecurity companies, and there's been some yeah. Um, so you know they're they're in good company when it comes to that. But what if it's like, well, we found uh, you know President Biden happened yeah. to be uh, you know in this yeah. disclosure, and now we have access to .govs and stuff. That that
1: that would be nightmare scenario. Do you remember um, the Ashley Madison breach, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah, and that was big. Like, Whose name is going to turn yeah. up in hey, there? And, yeah, because that's scandalous. And we. We knew like politicians were going to come out of it, but they never did. Instead, we just got like duggers or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that got covered up pretty well. Yeah. Because
2: that's how the government works, Don. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, government wouldn't do shady nah, stuff. Nah, transparency—that's like that. what they're all about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: and apparently, so was this company. Yeah. Very transparent. Yeah. yeah. Super transparent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, accidentally, you're like, oops. Yeah. yeah. We well, are the most transparent company.
1: This is why things like OWASP exist, yep. right? There are well-known attacks mm-hmm. that people still fall for year after year that we need to be aware of. So securing your S3 bucket, securing database, not providing open access to a database on the internet. Doing
2: security at all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, on the list, there. by the way. You can start there. That is so, so
3: which is worse is that they left it unsecure and it's kind of like something that any hacker out there would have actually tried to do initially or... Is it one of those hacks where somebody has to take like weeks and weeks to discover that small vulnerability, and then they get in because it's a zero day attack? What, what would be worse say, for a company?
1: Um, I, I would <laughs> to say breach this. this. Yeah,
3: that's yeah, what you know, I would say. So, so that's why I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying they aren't going to survive because I don't know how much that company had, but that's where I would kind of go as a customer. Like, it's a pretty big. This is not. Through. Yeah, yeah. This is. This is not something that took a team of hackers like North Korea, you know, to break yeah. in.
2: <laughs> little Johnny in a web browser found himself on your site.
3: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm saying that, you know, it's like, I, I have no clue if that's really going to affect them that much. But Donald's I think it could. Stock. <laughs> I, I'm,
1: I'm curious how many employees they have. Um, you know, they're so they're a London based company. So it says founded in 2017. So they've been around a little while. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I I'm trying to find a, an employee account.
0: I will uh-huh. say though, from a you know, if I was looking for passwords and stuff, this was like a pipe dream because is this, it is Elasticsearch and I'd be yeah. like, let me search for these. Yeah, emails. I just want to search for stuff. Be Like, all right, is my pa- is my stuff in there? Yeah. Oh, cool! It comes yeah. back fast.
2: Good performance. Look at all these dashboards <laughs> I made by dashboards. <laughs> <laughs> this is very nice. I mean, this is kind of a sales pitch here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if it wasn't for the horrible security, I'd be all about this. <laughs> so.
0: Um. Yeah, just make sure your stuff's not public. Unless it's a
1: website. Obviously, that has to be public.
0: Yeah. How, did it say how fast they discovered the leak? Don, and- I am getting pissed off for you. Uh, Justin
1: <laughs> is watching me. I, I've just failed the human check twice on this website. <laughs> <laughs> what you need is a robot arm. As it the, I am not a robot. Apparently, I am AI or something because I... Please it's, try it's, again. It's one of those captures where it says press and hold. Yeah. Like it's designed for mobile devices. Right. So I got to yeah. sit here and hold my stupid mouse. And then I get a check mark that says I'm human. And then it tells me uh, it didn't work. You and are the most human robot it's ever found. I'm about to give up on the Oh, game. bro.
0: Zuckerberg yeah. yeah. over here. <laughs> Put that
2: In a dumpster and set it on <laughs> we fire. Will,
1: we will never know how many employees <laughs> Dark Beam has. <laughs> um, but I, they've been around six years. They've probably got to be around. Well, I, I don't want to speculate. but Yeah. Um, who knows? All right. Well, just we I think we have. Okay. Uh all right. I do want to remind people that uh that this podcast is brought to you by the fine folks over at ACI Learning. They make it all happen. And so if you're ever bored and have some time, be sure to swing by acilearning.com or the IT Pro TV website, itpro.tv, which actually goes to ACI Learning. Uh, so you can view the IT Pro product. If you want to learn more about cybersecurity or watch. Daniel and Justin's OWASP Top 10 class. Those things are available in the IT Pro Library found on the website. You can subscribe. Uh, there's a deal, there's a coupon, there's stuff. So we give knows you it stuff all. off. Yeah. Um, 30%. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. If you Technado, could, right? go to technado.com. And you will see a button right on there where you can subscribe. With the discount. See this, you see a butt. Yeah, maybe. Depends on, yeah. on when you go, if we've been hacked that week or not. That's type yeah. of squatting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different type of squatting. Yeah, um, <laughs> But uh, – you can uh, use code TechNato30. R- oh, come on, Ronnie. That no was one's a listening joke. to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just caught me. I was like, what? No, he no, whoa. Say, you know, he whoa. Said
2: that.
3: Man,
1: how could I pass on that I one? I don't know. think you could, Don. <laughs> uh, it's the law, isn't it? <laughs> I know. It's right there. <laughs> it's like, uh, all right. Um, anyway, TechNato30. <laughs> there's some, some webinars coming up.
2: Yeah, I got one um, Thursday <laughs> with Jason Downey from uh, Red Siege. If you haven't heard of Red Siege, you're doing it wrong. So get out there, check Red Siege out, and check out all things cybersecurity. Coming out this Thursday, I believe it is at uh, 2 p.m. of the Eastern time, if I'm not mistaken. Sweet.
1: Uh, those are always a good time. They are. And Lots of uh, fun.
2: You get to actually, like, ask us questions. So you register, and then the whole thing is just you asking questions and us answering questions.
1: And, and you learn a lot. And that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of learning in cybersecurity, I have completely forgotten to mention again, Sophie would have got this. Uh, <laughs> she's good at her job. <laughs> it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Oh, yeah. This uh, is, October, October. <laughs> is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is like the worst Hallmark holiday ever. There's, there's no cards at, at Walgreens and oh, CBS. Oh,
0: man. That's an idea. sorry right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk yeah. off. Yeah. Because, uh, we could send out some cards. Congratulations on your breach.
2: Sorry, you got pwned. Is this your username and password? <laughs> get, 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 get employed soon. We could incorrectly we could password spray with with <laughs> cards. <laughs> like the top list of uh, passwords like is this yours? <laughs> Check
1: yes. <laughs> Boy, the people who drop out for the last part of the podcast are missing I out today. <laughs> really yeah. do. Um, Really do. But it is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and on our YouTube channel, which is primarily focused on TechNado, we are going to be including a lot of little training bits uh, that are drawn from the stuff we do in our day job. You'll definitely want to check it out. Things like the webinar, I'll make it on there. We have video content dropping every single day in October, which is awesome. Wow. So you definitely want to do that, and uh, uh, I don't have a spoiler yet for this one, but uh, they're they're working on a Halloween special that should be fun. Spooky. Uh, So all stuff that's there. So if you haven't already. Be sure now. now I gotta be like uh, one of those Paul brothers. Like <laughs> and subscribe. Sub. sub-
4: Subscribe, subscribe, yeah. BB sober, Spooky. like and subscribe. Don, put down that tequila
2: bottle, the like notify bell or something. Yeah. That I out. am drunk. <laughs> I feel compelled
0: to jump in. Like, I'm like, Don, are you okay? Yeah, Do we need to call yeah, somebody? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our next, next toast? Is the intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, This is the best
1: techno ending ever. (laughs) We should just can this one and play it each week. I I think I've fumbled it enough to really apply to any any week. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you listening. Be sure to check back in for whatever happens next week. (laughs) If I'm still employed, we'll see you then. Have a great week.